Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome in to your Friday edition of the OBR Film Breakdown Podcast. It has been a really fun week. Um, I'm your host, Jake Burns. Of uh, you know, I kind of interrupted my sentence to introduce myself like you don't know the podcast here. Uh, it's It's been a good week of shows, though. I did a show with Jordan Zerm on Monday where we went through and vented about the Browns offense, which I think brought up some good topics, spent some time... Um, you know, with Brent Sobleski as well this week, which I thought was a really good podcast. And then Robert Mays also joined uh, just yesterday from the Athletic Football Show where he kind of gave his perspective. I do like getting those national perspectives sometimes because people like Robert and I like Nate Tice, those guys who really invest their time and looking at everybody in the league and formulating opinions, I think it's good to get those opinions. So, um, good on, uh, this week of shows you guys have been listening to almost all of them, which I really genuinely appreciate. I think, like I said, it's been a really good one and I want to close it out with our usual, this is usually the best one of the week anyway. And I'm excited to have John on as always, John Colosimo. How are you, John? I'm doing good, Jake. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, it's, you know, it's been a long week. It's been a weird year this year, dude, where, these holidays on the weekend have made it feel like a longer uh, holiday season. This sounds weird, but like a like a like a longer holiday season, like not as nicely interrupted and flowing. You, there's no ex- expectation, at least there shouldn't be, in my opinion, John, to get any work done between Christmas and the New Year. But the way the year falls, where Christmas is Saturday and then it's Sunday, and then your work week's Monday, and then you don't get New Year's Eve till Friday night, it's almost like you're expected to work this week, and I can't stand it. How do you feel about that? <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Um, now, we had, uh, you know, New Year's, so we, you know, we have tomorrow off, um, and I traveled for a couple of days, so there wasn't a ton of expectation in that regard. And in my, you know, I work in as a project manager in construction, so... Um, you know, it's not just, you know, the people in your office that are taking the vacations, it's the subcontractors, all the workers, um, you know, the project managers of those subcontractors. So, you know, no matter what you do, like these are dead weeks and you just know it. So, um, definitely it seemed a little longer, uh, but yeah, I'm glad I'm not in a position where, you know, uh, I they expect me to get too much done because really my job requires other people working to do it so yeah it's just not fair how the calendar falls so you know i just wanted to get that vent uh vent out early there but uh anyway to our point at hand the nfl this week it has been a um you know it's been a longer week than normal because you play on saturday right so that part of it is is sort of crummy you got a lot of conversations being had about another game this is two weeks in a row for the browns where they have had two weeks uh like i said of Close games, games they should have won, had a chance to win, whether it was winning with your defense on the field in the final seconds or winning with your, uh, you know, winning with your offense in Green Bay. It's just these these make long weeks. And then you had an extended sort of break with that Saturday. And and there's just a lot of things that happen on social, a lot of things that happen in conversations, whether you're having them online or having them with family members. And 
you need the next game to arrive. The problem is the next game's not until Monday, and it is, it's a big one. It's a really big one, and we're going to spend a lot of time talking about it. But before we do that, we got a couple other things that we like to riff on, which is kind of league-wide uh, as we start this whole thing. And the finalists for the Hall of Fame came out, okay? Before we do the Hall of Fame, though, I wanted to get your opinion. I, I shared my opinion earlier on the week, John, John uh, about John Madden. A lot of Johns going on here. John Madden passed away at 85. Uh, the, the exact date of when John passed, I don't know, but they announced it. What did they announce it? Tuesday night? Um, that sounds right. Yeah. So, yeah, just like how he impacted you, what you thought of him. You know, I shared a lot of stories about, you know, my, my video game experiences, but I, I always like to hear your opinion on these things. Yeah, I think uh, a lot more influence than I might have thought. You know, I guess if somebody cornered me and asked me that, I, I would have thought about it. But a lot of these times, it, you don't think about it until these types of moments hit. But, you know, I mean, I grew up and Madden was the voice of, you know, of national football games for, you know, my whole childhood and my, you know, kind of formative years when I was really getting into football. So, you know, he was the consistent voice, you know, everything from the crazy traductions to, you know, his bus going everywhere because he wouldn't fly to. I forgot um, that fact that he, yeah. that he didn't fly. Yeah. Um, to, you know, the obvious video games that I spent countless hours playing, um, you know, so really, I mean, just to add a, a huge say in a ton of what I was spending my time on, you know, from age, yeah, I don't know, you know, 10 or, you know, well, 11 or 12, let's say to, you know, until he came off the air. So, you know, all the kind of, um, weird little, uh, like sayings, you know, those constant things that, that announcements are saying on TV, you know, when I think of them, they're in John Madden's voice. Um, he also did have some some more unique takes and and he put some of these guys to shame, I think, when you listen to, you know, I know he was cheesy for sure um, at times. But, you know, when you compare him to some of the broadcasters that we have now, uh, to me, it, he puts them to shame, especially when you when you consider Summerall as his running mate there. You know, so I, I don't think very many people can hold their water that that you watch today. And, yeah, you I mean, he's a. I think he had been out of it for, you know, several years. So I think kind of faded out of my memory a little bit, you know, it, just enough to have this, um, you know, hit a hit for a pretty good impact when he went and you just start to think back, um, you know, for the first time in years about all the different moments that, that he was a part of one way or another. So, yeah, I think it was a big one. Good, good listening um, to, to a couple pods. I, I don't, I don't, I, I grew up on Bill Simmons kind of like when I fell in love with the idea of writing, uh, I, I was really into, and I think this is a story for a lot of people like me in my, my age group where Bill Simmons was the guy on page two of ESPN and everybody was reading his pop culture tie-ins. And then he was really the first to do pod. So like I came up in the idea of doing this stuff by listening to Bill Simmons and the way he approached it. Now, you know, Bill Simmons has got a lot of different things, <laughs> a lot of different flaws, and uh, you realize those as you get older. But he, he carved a nice path. But I, 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 he does have a good feel for historical 
broadcasting groups and things of that nature. And he brought on Brian Curtis and I was only like 15 minutes they did on, on that Madden segment, but just really interesting stuff about how, you know, if kids go back and listen to Madden now, there was no, you know, there was no, like, you would think he, he kind of sounds clueless. He doesn't sound as in depth as the guys you get now. Not that every guy gives you in depth, like LeVar Arrington's doing games. So, you know, (laughs) slow down a little bit, but he he was the first John was the first person to take it to a covering how football works and like I think that they were talking about uh who who is the uh the famous I'm I'm blanking on his name famous broadcaster who did games I, I keep thinking Vin Scully but it's not him uh, obviously heavy ties to Muhammad Ali he was huge on ABC Wide World of Sports Michael no, it was before Michael's, uh, Howard Cosell. So Howard Cosell did games, and he was doing all of the games, and like the whole thing with Cosell was he didn't really love the nuances of football. He loved people and the, telling the stories of people. So peop, like the, the viewers never got to understand intricacies of football. So like Madden wanted to do that in a way that was unique, and like he was doing these studies at universities where he would explain basic football stuff to people, just, you know, not even football fans necessarily, but basic basic football stuff and like study when they started to like gloss over, when they when he lost them. So that he had a feel for how to do that when he was, you know, broadcasting games. And that like the, the commitment to that is really unique. Those are the stories you don't hear anything about. And I, I was just like really enamored by that story of how he went about trying to teach people because it's like he was introducing the concept of it. Obviously Summerall was very, very much like there's a catch by Owens first down. Like he was so generic, almost became a shell of like a, a video game broadcaster by the end of his career. But he was like the perfect balance because he didn't want to say much. He didn't have to say much because Madden was always the one entertaining. So, you know, some cool stories like that. I really encourage folks to go out and, and, and check out those stories because it, he, you know, he changed the way we consume football and, not just the way we consume it as as viewers, but then he changed it as video game guy. And I was, you know, I was one of those guys. I I learned football through Madden, right? Like I learned all of the things I could learn about football through playing video football video games. Like the early scheme understanding that I had as a youngster, watching you know playing video games and 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 processing how those video games uh, teach you about schemes and teach you about salary cap and all of that stuff, man. So. It he changed. There's a lot of guys like me. I'm a, I'm a very d- copy paste type of dude from my generation, and there's a lot of guys like me who are the same way. The football games taught them how the game was played, and I really think it helped launch this Twitter film group. You know what I mean? Like these people who want to do this stuff and have found a medium to do it. And I think it was in large part because of that. And then people also forget. Oh yeah, that guy went to like six straight AFC championships, and uh, you know I think what did he he won. Won a Super Bowl in the middle of it, so mm-hmm. you know he was yeah. special, really special, and and uh, just wanted to get your get your opinion on him because he impacted a lot of guys our age, you know, just in a, in a unique sense that not many people did. So uh, I, I I would say a good idea, and I, I would see what you think of it. Is somebody mentioned the idea of renaming the All Pro team the All Madden team? Thought that was an interesting <laughs> idea. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. I like that a lot. I, I will I say. I'm not a good demographic because you could tell me any Madden idea and I'd be like, yep, I'm in, you know, whatever, you know, you could rename the the national Madden league and I'd probably be fine with it, you know? So, uh, anyway, let's talk about the finalists for the hall of fame, which is kind of what we started with here. 
it's it's just going to be a little fun exercise we try to do where I'm going to name everybody that was officially a finalist, and you tell me whether you think they're in. There's only five. I think can you can you not go more than five a class, or is it or can you get as many in? I I, I don't know the rule. Is I think it it's, I think I think five is how many you can get in out of the finalists. Yeah. Out of out of the player side, right? I think they can do mm-hmm. more than five right. if they include the coaches or the the impact in the in the game. Okay, here we go. Ready? Jared Allen, obviously defensive end, had a nice career with the Vikings. I think where else did Jared Allen go? I can't remember uh, where else Jared Allen went. He was went. at the Chiefs earlier. Chiefs, that's right. All right, yes or no on Jared mm-hmm. Allen? I think he's on the on the fence. He's on the fence. All right, that's a no, John. You got to give me a yes gotcha. or a no. Okay. All, all right. right. He went to – he was first team all pro four times and four pro bowls, five pro bowls. So Willie Anderson. Willie no. Anderson, famous uh, – Cincinnati Bengals. He he, one of the few guys, John, to keep the uh, old school Rydell thick bar face mask a thing. So <laughs> you know, uh, take he's that. got that going for him. He's got that going for him. He wore it all the way through 2008, which is amazing to me because you really didn't see those face masks anymore. Uh, he is a three-time All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowler. So that's a no. This year, yeah. I mean, we're talking this year, right? Yep. Because you can only get five. And, yeah. No. Okay. Ronde Barber. Said a bunch yes. of yeah, Bronde Barber said a bunch of metrics, man. Uh, <laughs> tw- only guy with what 70, 40, 25 sacks, forty five interceptions. See, I think he's a clear cut. He was a three time first team All Pro, and then five time Pro Bowler. I think Rondé is uh, definite in my opinion too. Tony Baselli. Well, that's a famous one. Didn't we? Didn't we? Uh, did we get our hooks into him? Uh, or am I thinking of a different offensive tackle that? mashed up um when we when they did the the veteran draft when when the browns came back i thought maybe the browns snagged him but he never played it down for him he was Um, with jacksonville from 95 through 01 so i thought he got i thought he got picked up by the texans and then he never played with the texans okay that might be right i think we grabbed a similar guy like a uh an outstanding tackle, uh, but his knees were shredded, and he never played for us. Okay, I'm looking uh, at right now. Look, Browns 99 yeah. expansion draft. Let's see who they picked. Um, Kurt Warner was available. Didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't hi- need to know that. A little hindsight <laughs> for you there. <laughs> uh, that's not a good article because it doesn't even list him. Okay, here we go. Jim Pine, Mm-mm. center. Um Looking at center again, Steve Gordon, offensive tackle Scott Rareberg, Rareberg mm-hmm. from the Patriots, uh, guard Jeff Bucky, offensive tackle Pete Swanson, tackle Paul Wiggins, guard Jim Burden, Ben Cavill, Orlando Bobo. Boy, this is and I must be remembering that wrong, but I would have sworn. I would have sworn that maybe maybe I am thinking about um, I, you know I just don't know I, I would have sworn though that uh, we grabbed him and I just me must be one of those things where your wires get crossed uh, in memories but uh, I think Tony Vaselli though not enough time yeah um, I would agree I, with I, that. I think it's stuck with shredded so Leroy yeah. Butler I'm gonna say no but I am like I am biased toward him uh, you know I was a huge Green Bay Packers fan uh, you know just as I was really getting into football when the Browns left uh, huge Packers fan he was an awesome player for them 
Super Bowl winner. Um, Green Bay is a perfect but, place to take our fandom to. If I if the Browns were to just poof and be gone again, I'd one hundred percent be a Green Bay fan. I was back then because I like you. I loved Brett Favre. Like I was all in on Brett. Favre. I remember it was like my eighth birthday, which would have been. 97 i got a huge brett Favre like framed picture and i was in love like i, I loved it because it was all i it was too young i was really too young to understand the the browns leaving you know like it, yep. it didn't make sense to me yet but yeah i'm with you and that would yeah. be like i said the easy transition to just uh i'll just pull for Brett. i still out. got my signed i got a, my signed helmet with Favre and uh star that's awesome dude that yeah. is fantastic butler was a four-time first team all pro guy four-time Pro Bowler as well. He's on the cusp. Not a name that many people would think of. Devin Hester. Can't. Yes. You think so? You think they're going to let him in? Uh, he's going to be, I mean, he's going to go down as the best returner. Um, you know, that's, I, I always think that uh, Josh gets, um, Josh ends up getting overshadowed by him uh, in a lot of talks about returners. Obviously not by Cleveland fans because we get to watch, watch Josh. Uh, play for years but i i think that hester's just gonna get in just on the strength of his reputation as the best returner of all time which is what a lot of people refer to him as we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I could see that. Fair enough. Tori Holt. You got two people in right now. So we got Tory Holt, who is thirteen thousand three hundred eighty-two receiving yards. Was a, only a first-team All-Pro guy one time. That was in 03 when he had sixteen nine one seventeen for sixteen ninety-six and twelve touchdowns. Uh, I don't know where he stands on the all-time receiving list. Hold on a second. <sighs> all-time receiving yards. Tory Holt is. He's 16th. I don't think Torrey Holt gets in. No, I think he's close, like... but I don't think he gets in this one. Yeah, I don't think he gets in. I don't think he gets in. Andre Johnson is next. Andre Johnson's close, man. He's 11th all-time, uh, just 200 yards behind another guy we're going to have in just a second, Reggie Wayne. Um, Andre had... Two seasons, first team all pro, five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven time pro bowler. Had two seasons with 1,500 yards. Who was his quarterback in 08 and 09 when he did that? Let's check that. That'll be fun. Uh, I feel like Andre Johnson ever played with good quarterbacks. 
Matt Schaub. Schaub. <laughs> yeah, he. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to Andre Johnson. I'm with you on on Hester. I can be with you on Rondé too. I'm gonna put a maybe on Andre Johnson. Let's look at the other one. Sam Mills. You're gonna have to refresh my memory on this one because I have 1986 no... to 1997 was yep. a linebacker. Uh he had he had 22 forced fumbles. Um, hundred and twelve hundred and sixty-five tackles. He was a pro, pro Bowler three times, no Pro Bowler five times, and a first team All Pro one time. I can't see him getting in right now. Yeah, that doesn't sound right. Can't can't really see that. Uh, Richard Seymour, another name who it's like from that era maybe doesn't get the credit they deserve. Seymour's interesting. He had, you know, he's an interior guy, more interior than exterior guy. He was. Three-time first-team All-Pro, five, six, seven-time Pro Bowler. He ended with 57 and a half sacks. It's tough. I don't know. Seymour's a guy who'd probably be in for me. Okay. Um, it's tough when you're talking about those interior defenders, right? I mean, because once you get past, like, you know, Sap and a couple of guys like him, there are no other guys like that. So... The, the standard gets a, a little bit different when you're talking really a uh, position where there's been a couple of unicorns over the course of the history of the league. I think I think Seymour was was pretty fantastic. I think Bill uh, probably regrets letting him go when he did. I think that's probably one of – I don't know if you could give Bill some truth serum, but Seymour still had quite a bit left in the tank, even for a terrible Raiders team that he went to. Yeah. He put um, on a nice second stage of that career. Yeah. Uh, next is Zach Thomas. I, I think Zach Thomas is a Hall of really good. He was somehow yeah. first team All Pro four times. He collected a ton of tackles, seventeen hundred and thirty four tackles. But like, I don't know. I just felt like he was always downfield making tackles. I didn't feel like he was yeah. a great forward playing linebacker. I might make some people mad, but like, I just don't. I don't know. I think I'm he's a Hall it. of really good. Demarcus Ware. Marcus Ware was so good, man. Yes. I, I wonder I think, where I think he stands. In. Yeah, he sounds like a guy who'd be in. Like, I don't know where he stands on the all-time list, but, man, was he good. Yeah, he was a four-time first-team All-Pro guy and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine Pro Bowls. I don't even have to debate it. Uh, he was in. Reggie Wayne, boy, it gets tough because you're talking about these Colts teams and Marvin and Reggie. Reggie was so consistent. He only had one. It's like Reggie and, and Andre Johnson are very, very similar candidates. Agreed. Only one season over 1,500 yards. Only one first-team All-Pro. One, two, three, four, five, six Pro Bowls. But, God, he played with Manning his whole career. It's hard, you know? Um, yeah, it certainly would be the tiebreaker for me when you're talking about Andre Johnson. Um, and even if you wanted to throw Torrey in there as well, uh, I think that. Um, yeah, that's a tough one for me. I, I think he just misses. Um, yeah, just just for now. I, I think the time is coming. Hey, Reggie Wayne's a Pro Bowler, or I saw a Hall of Famer, but Agreed. I don't know right now. Patrick Willis, God, he was really good. He retired so early, though. He did. He did. Um, but I think, like, I think his resume still might. It's a five-time first-team All-Pro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that uh, one. Like to me, if you, like if you're going to talk to me about a list that includes Zach Thomas, Sam Mills, and Patrick Willis, I know which one of these I'm going in. And yeah. 
He played yeah. eight seasons, and every season that he played more than half the games in a year, he played six games his final year. He was a Pro Bowler or a first-team All-Pro player. Yeah, he's That's in bananas. for me. Yeah. I think he's in for me, too. Uh, the last one is Bryant Young, who I think is – kind of one of those 90s to early 2000s oh yeah i remember C- some brian seymour, young yeah seymour types he ended with 89 and a half sacks he had one first team all pro i don't think i'm in on him don't think i'm in on bryant young quite yet but he was a good player i don't see i don't think i'm quite in on seymour either i would probably go barber hester is fine uh then i would go where Andre Johnson and Patrick Willis. You're subbing out my uh, Andre Johnson for Richard Seymour, right? Yes. Okay. All right, folks, you have Jake and John's uh, ballot for the Pro Bowl. So um, all the best to these guys. Hopefully the, the, the best of the best get in there. I forgot how good Willis was in the short time in the league. God, he was phenomenal. Um, okay, let's let's transition. AFC North. There's a lot going on. There's a... Uh, let's let's go through the scenarios by which every team gets into the playoffs. Okay, so the Bengals is pretty simple. The Bengals need to win Sunday. If they beat the Chiefs, they win the division. No discussion. Okay, um, and we're gonna go first with breaking down how the Bengals get in. Like I said, very very simple. You get in uh, by beating Kansas City. Okay, you could tie Kansas City. A Baltimore loss at that point. Uh, if Baltimore loses to the Rams, also gets you in. Um, and then, uh, lastly, Baltimore loses and Cleveland and Pittsburgh tie. So see, you lose to Kansas city, Baltimore loses and Cleveland, Pittsburgh tie. You're in, cause that gives Pittsburgh two ties. All right. So that's Cincinnati's path. Obviously next week they would need, they need to beat. I think the path for them is they either win this week or next week. They beat Cleveland. They're in, right. I'm pretty sure. Yep. Yeah. They would have the tie break over the other two teams in the division, and they would beat Cleveland. They'd go to 10 and 7 and be in because that's the maximum Baltimore can get to, and they beat Baltimore twice. So pretty simple for them. The Ravens have to have some uh, a Kansas City win. They beat the Rams, and then the Browns beat, and then obviously the Ravens also beat the Steelers the next week, and then the Browns beat the Bengals. Which, you know, I could see Cleveland playing really hard. Even if they lost Sunday, I could see them trying, I mean, beating the Bengals and ruining their season would be still be kind of fun, you know? Oh, yeah. So um, that's the path for the Ravens. Going to win their last two, have to hope that the Bengals essentially lose their last two, right? Pittsburgh, it's a little different because Pittsburgh has, they have to beat Cleveland and then they also have to beat the Ravens. But I'm pretty sure if they beat the Ravens, the Browns have to beat because that would put them at if they win two more games they'd be 9 7 and 1 and since he would be 10 and 7 they'd get in. So, yeah, essentially everybody else needs the Bengals to lose twice. Cleveland needs can the the, the difference being Cleveland controls their own destiny a little bit more, right? Where right. if they win, it do, you don't need somebody else to win. So, uh I sit here and talking about how like this is going to be a long conversation. We just did it in two minutes. Um, let's talk about those two <laughs> games. So since he playing KC, I, I mean, Kansas City's playing phenomenal football. Like they are back in a, in a real sense. They're back and being taken very serious because their defense is out of this world. 
They have, let's go through this, John. They've given up 10 to Pittsburgh. They did give up 28 to Herbert in that fun Thursday night game, but then they gave up 9 to Oakland, sorry, Vegas, 9 to Denver, 9 to Dallas, 14 to Vegas, 7 to Green Bay. They have played 17 to the Giants, 3 Sorry, that that dates back too far. Basically, the last half of the year, they've been phenomenal defensively. Do you see Cincinnati beating them? And how do they do it if they end up beating them? It's really hard to envision. KC's got a lot to play for still, John. They're playing for that one bye. So they're all in on this. And I think they get everybody back. I think uh, Kelsey will be back. And I think they get, uh, you know, I think last week was a really shorthanded version of, of, uh, you know, uh, what's his name, Tyree Kill. So they'll get they'll get him back as well. So I'm kind of curious how you're feeling about that game. I I feel like the only way that um, Cincinnati's going to win this game is with an injury to Patrick Mahomes. I just <laughs> that's a lot of confidence. <laughs> I really I just don't think that uh, you know like Kansas City is now playing like the team that that we expected um, that we thought we were playing the first game of the season. Let me put it mm-hmm. that way. Um, they, I think they've made adjustments to what teams were doing to slow them down. Uh, I think there was a lot of luck-based uh, things happening uh, that, you know, were creating turnovers that are now starting to go Kansas City's way. Um, I think that I think that the Bengals have had a really nice year and they are ahead of schedule and the future looks bright, but they are not on Kansas City's level. And this is a basically a playoff game. And I expect it to play out like how how I would expect a playoff game between these two to be. And I don't think that's going to go very well for Cincinnati. I would say that um, if Cincinnati were to win this football game, I wouldn't be mad. I, I, I would be like, okay, you guys went out and took the division when nobody else would take the division. right? <laughs> I think some people will like be mad. I don't think that's the case. This is like a true, if Kansas City is going to be in, like winning this game would be huge. Like that that's you guys putting your foot on the throat of the division and beating KC, even if it's at home, beating KC at 11-4 and four and playing their best football of the season is pretty meaningful. So I would not be upset, and I would just kind of like applaud them. Like, Agreed. congrats, man. You guys deserved it. You you went out and took it, and when when there was some, you know, you, you and I thought they were a year off. I think everybody kind of thought they were a year off, and they were able to, you know, shut everybody up. So good for them in that scenario. I don't think it's all too realistic. I still don't think they're quite there yet. They're probably ready to beat Cleveland in Week 18, but like I just don't think they're there yet with a KC level football team. But they have a, a ton of skill. Joe Burrow's playing great at the right time. Their three wide receivers and Uzama at tight end are tough. Mixon's tough. They're a very, very formidable offense. So it is not impossible, but it would have to be a Chiefs-Chargers type of game where they are winning the game late, right? Like they're going down the field with the last one with the ball type of scenario. I don't see a Bengals blowout. So it's either the Chiefs blow them out or the Bengals or Chiefs win a close one, in my opinion. That's the only way it could go. Agreed? Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Um. Rams, Rams, and uh, and 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 Ravens. I saw a video of Lamar limping around. I have not seen whether uh, what's his name. I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head. Uh, just you know, balled out in Cleveland. What's their backup's name? I keep thinking Josh Johnson, oh, but that's the third guy. Yeah, Brett Hundley. No, Tyler Huntley. Brett Hundley 
Tyler Huntley, right? Got to get <laughs> yes. that right. Never, I will never get that right. So he, I don't know if he's playing or not. Do you have any idea if he's playing or not? Have you seen anything? No, about I that? didn't see anything definitive yet. That's... All right, let me, let me search Tyler Huntley real quick. Uh, Tyler Huntley was activated, so they'll at least have Huntley, which gives them a chance. He runs their offense pretty effectively. Uh, I I still think this is a game that I have a hard time seeing the Rams losing. Where are you at on it? Yeah, I just think that at this point, you know, Baltimore has lost the war of attrition uh, spectacularly. Uh, And I think they've done a fantastic job to get what they've gotten out of this year, um, considering all the injuries. But I I just don't see the Rams losing in this scenario. Uh, I just don't think that Baltimore has the horses for it. The only thing that gives me pause is they move this game up to 1 o'clock, so it's like a 10 a.m. West Coast kickoff. I don't. I don't love that. I was pretty bummed that they moved that game up because of the advantages for an East Coast team in that scenario. Uh, before we close on the Ravens, uh, the Browns are poking around about quarterback play. Again, very early, still two weeks, could potentially be a playoff berth in line for the Browns. If they're poking around about quarterbacks, Tyler Huntley interest you? Uh, I mean, in a way, what's you know, what is his status? You know, how how much do you end up paying for that? But yeah, I mean, it's it's somewhat interesting i mean definitely a lot more interesting than um the most of what's below star level that's out mm-hmm. there i would say you know i mean whenever you look at the non you know whatever um rogers slash um, wilson market then you know everything else looks pretty not great and that's the mm-hmm. way it's been all year um he certainly would be at or near the top and maybe at the top because of upside um, you know, but it's a it's a low bar out there for for his group. Low bar indeed. Just wanted to get your gut reaction to that one. Um, okay, let's let's then transition to Monday. I mean, what does Cleveland have to do to beat these guys? This is let me give you this opportunity. It's Ben's final hoorah, Heinz Field. What uh, what sort of feelings do you have on it? Are you I think it could be a wide range of emotions. You could be grossed out by everything that happened with Ben in his career and, and you know, all of that, or you could, I don't know. I, I it's, it's, it's very, it's very open-ended. I'll give you the floor, man. Like what you think of Ben and his whole career. And it's all coming to an end here. He is the longest tenured single team player. I think we've had, right. I don't know if I've, if I've read that correctly, but if we had a guy spend more than 18 seasons with one team, you know, like the Montanas of the world went to KC or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Pat sure. Brady had to still be close to that. I oh, but but, but the second that you go to a different one, it doesn't count. I right? think so. I I think, think yeah, so. I think that's the key. It's like part you use it or you it's use it or just, you lose it. Right. It's not just um <laughs> it's not just the longest stretch with a team. I think it's players that only played with one team. Yeah. Um Yeah. Give us your Ben unfiltered uh take here as as his 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 ter- reign of terror over the Browns comes to a close. You know, like I Surprisingly, you know, as much as Madden hit me more than uh, I would have expected, I think this one hits me uh, much less than expected at this point. You know, he's uh, he's kind of like an old, uh, you know, he's got to be put out of his misery at this point. Um, I, you know, he hasn't felt like the Browns killer. You know, despite you know, it's not like we stopped losing to the Steelers recently. I mean, we we lost plenty of games to them, but. It, it hasn't really felt like it was Ben killing us for some time. I don't know how long that's been, but 
you know, it's just a little muted in my mind and I don't feel as much, uh, you know, emotion about it. And, you know, I would love to, uh, send them off with as many sacks as we can, we can muster. Um, I just don't have that kind of deep look back at, at Ben's. He's had a, a heck of a career completely marred by, um, awful stuff that is completely pushed under the rug at this point. And, uh, pretty I'm amazing just, how that stuff, John, has just oh, kind of yeah. gone away. Like, Oh, just, nothing. just gone away. Yep, it, 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 like even the Fowler tweet today, dude, where he's like, you know, he's got this, the, the one source is like a Kobe like, uh, exit where he's not, he's not, well, I can't even think of the phrasing they use. Like he's going out quietly. He's not making any noise doing it with class. And I'm like, okay, man, do you realize what you just tweeted? Like, do you really, <laughs> do you really realize what you just tweeted? Like, it is pretty amazing that this guy has made a public return after even what his own franchise said about him at the time. Oh yeah. And I, you know, I, I wouldn't have thought anybody could come back out of that. Uh, but somehow like, I can't even explain it. Like I, I was there and paying very, very much paying attention and it's, it's shocking to me. I, I guess, you know, I, I would expect that things would be different today than they were when this stuff happened. But it's, um, you know, for those who, who don't remember, there's definitely a reason for the nicknames that uh, he's been given. Like uh, those weren't just, uh, oh, you know, things that were thrown out there that were way overboard. Uh, most of the things that Clevelanders have called Ben Roethlisberger over the years have been more apt descriptions than they were. Uh, fan overreactions or you know uh, overblown descriptors so yeah. you know i'm not going to repeat those names here if you you're a browns fan you know them uh, but that you know people forget and somehow somehow people forget <laughs> and uh, i'm going to be happy to forget him and uh, move on from that and so it's a good thing for this year i do think there's going to be emotion from the from his team um in wanting to win that game. So I do think we'll, we'll probably get whatever the Steelers best shot looks like at this point in the season. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I don't have a whole lot um, emotionally for Ben Roethlisberger. I think you're spot on with like, he hasn't really hurt them in a while. He's just kind of been there, right? Like they just, the Pittsburgh Steelers haven't, I think that's the thing. Like it feels like most franchises have said, we see you getting older, we see you getting worse, and we're going to replace you. And we're kind of going to gently push you out the door. I mean, Pittsburgh finally started to get a little pushy uh, this this past year after what was a really terrible year. But they haven't brought in a plan. They haven't figured it out. I, I can't think of many other teams that haven't at least tried a plan. You know what I'm saying? There has been no plan from Pittsburgh, and they've just kind of been riding with this weight, this anchor dragging on the ground, right? They've just been like the Minka Fitzpatrick trade and all these things they're trying to do where you're trying to recapture this thing with Ben, and it's been a really failed experiment. I mean, they did – they. Did they they haven't made the playoffs in a little while, have they? So they did, Jesus, last year. But like, you know, they haven't had great runs. Like they've just been hanging on to something when I think they could have reset it years ago, three, four years ago. But you're you're spot on about he kind of just hasn't felt like a factor. His his record against Cleveland is overwhelming, and I totally get it. But it's not like he's been killing Cleveland, and we're just so tired of seeing him. You know? Yeah, it really does just feel like that was some time ago, and I'm sure I'm sure it wasn't as long as it feels like, but it just yeah. certainly does feel like, and there was definitely a time where he was 
the reason you're oh, losing God. those he games. He tortured him. He tortured yeah. him forever. There's no doubt. But like, I'm trying to even think like 2017 that season opener where they t- they they lost the with Kaiser. The, no, the Kaiser debut 17. He wasn't very good in that one. Um, the tie, he was terrible. I think he turned yeah. it over like three times in that tie. That sounds right. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm with you. It feels like it's been a long time coming, and it's almost like in, in, in a weird, cynical way where Madden was like, I, I always was thinking like, man, I don't hear anything from John Madden anymore. It's just going to be like when he passes, it's going to be so weird. It's kind of like Ben when he's retiring. It's just like, oh, you know, I guess, okay, he's done. You know, I haven't really thought much about him as a, as in terms of of being a threat. Even though he's won plenty of games still against Cleveland, haven't really considered him a threat for some time. So you're right; they're going to be emotional. It's going to be a whole thing, and uh, it's such a conflicting thing because it's just it was a really gross. I, I'm not here to call, call other people's scenarios. I mean, everybody has a past, and I've had things I would love to take back, but but it's just. Uh, it's interesting what gets swept under the rug. It's just uh, how we think of frame certain athletes and and Ben's framing is interesting and I think Ben the situation with Ben put it this way, the situation with Ben happened probably at the last possible moment it could. 2010 was a really weird. I think Deshaun Watson here is the litmus test for it. Not that Watson, yeah. I mean Watson's thing it looks very ugly right now. It is very ugly, but it's it's a very much different society than it was in 2008, 2009, 2010 in terms of what what gets put on the internet, what gets put in front of people publicly, how quickly people have access to it, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. maybe that happened for him at the last possible moment and that's why he survived with with uh positive vibes, I guess. I don't know. Ugly topic. We can just move on from it. It's it's uh it's going to be how I feel about Ben being done with him anyway. Just move on from it. So it would just be nice, like you and I have talked about, if they could keep them. Give us like three years of purgatory for them, you know? Yes, That'd be... one cycle. Just yeah. let me let me have them buy in, to, you know, a rookie, um, or you know, or Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins, and um, let them buy into those guys for you know two three years at the minimum. And you know, if you're feeling chari- uh, charitable, then throw in a bad draft pick after that. Yeah, like I need them to to have a couple three and thirteens. That's all. It's only fair. We can't all like have. We can't have multiple franchises that end up like Green Bay, where you roll from far to to Rogers or yeah. You know, I don't. I don't know if New England has anything um, with Mac, Mac Jones. Mac Jones, yeah, it might it might be it might be a thing. I mean, the Ravens kind of have figured that out. Uh, yeah, they, they they helped survive terrible quarterback play for a long time, and then got serviceable quarterback play and then found another quarterback that fit what they wanted to do. So it's how they survived for so long. Pittsburgh doesn't have that Lamar Jackson to Joe Flacco answer. So how they solve this is going to be fascinating. Agreed. Um, but uh, maybe the purgatory has been watching Ben these last three years. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> that's it. But anyway. Um, it's a but, down but, payment, Jake. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> How do they beat them though? What do they have to do to beat these guys? Pittsburgh, I think the thing starts with Pittsburgh's run defense. Um, I saw where they have given up more ten yard rushes than anybody by, I think seven or eight runs since the start of week uh, ten. I'm a little loose on that number, but that's right around what I can remember. They're giving up a ton, like forty runs of ten plus yards. Can Cleveland run the football against them? Because I thought. I thought as ugly as Baker played against Green Bay, we started to feel better about the offense because there were 
there were obviously successful rushes all over the field. And then you mix successful rushes with the play action opportunities that were open, albeit missed, they were open. And that leaves you feeling like your team can move the football, right? Like that to me is a big factor here. No, it is. I mean, to me, the question is, you know, is the coaching staff going to put the O-line in passable situations? I don't, you know, I don't need perfect, you know, perfect play calls, you know, at the perfect time and those types of things. But I do need to see them not putting the, some of these guys in, in bad spots with these running, uh, these rushing plays. You know, these and these uh, the offensive line, the players are there. The coaches are yeah. there. I just want to, you know, they're just going to have to want it bad enough and, you know, get Nick back. And, you know, I know they, you know, the offensive line I'm talking about, they, they feel pretty good when we start to smash. So I, I think their head's going to be in it. But they, you know, we need to see, you know, the Wyatt Teller that wants to put people on their backs every play. Uh, you know, we want to, you know, that's the kind of attitude that we need out of these guys, you know, Joel gets to slide back into his spot. Um, like to see him, you know, get out there moving in space and, um, and mashing some people. I think that it just needs to happen at an attitude level. Um, you know, barring any weird stuff like we saw, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, where they were put in some bad spots, but, you know, I think that, um, getting them on a roll can be a real thing in this game. And, uh, the way that Pittsburgh's defense has played, the opportunities are there to profit from it. I would agree. I would agree. Although their their secondary is a little better uh, now with Joe Hayden back than it has been, and they do they do get a crowd bump. Like that's I still think when we we will get together in the off season, John, we got to talk about how the reasons for the quarterback play struggles. And I still don't think we're talking about crowd noise enough. Like I really don't. I think it is it is a huge reason why quarterbacks were so good last year and why they have come back down this year is a full year of not being exposed to crowd noise and road games and even home games has, uh, has impacted things. And I think Pittsburgh plays immensely better in Heinz field. They thrive off of the momentum feeling of the crowd. They get, they get that thing going and it's a tough, it's a tough thing to overcome. I've watched it several times already, you know, this, this year, and it'll be what they're thriving on in an emotional situation with Ben's scenario. So that part of it is is lingering. I do think the elephant in the room with the offense discussions, which do focus around Mayfield a lot of times for fair or unfair, is centered on that they haven't run the ball well. <laughs> like they ha- they, they people just kind of gloss over the fact that they have run it really badly, and that element of things is not helping anything. Now you need your NFL offenses to still be able to find success if you don't run the ball like extremely efficiently but that's a different discussion but they have not been running the ball well so that puts the the the, it almost puts Mayfield under the microscope right so it it makes it worse than what it could or should be uh and 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 discussion around Mayfield's built on how can we avoid this situation where we don't have to rely on this sort of thing right that's the big decision the Browns are kind of trying to figure out in the grand scheme of things but the Browns have to run it well and I think we started to feel better about the offense because hey look they're running it well in Green Bay and that's why we feel like we're so frustrated because they left all those passing opportunities on the field that are in my opinion a direct benefit of what they did in the run game so they need to run it well uh, and and obviously Baker has to play a clean game. I mean, he just yeah. not. A, I'm not asking for him to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. I'm just asking for him to play a clean game. Is that too much to ask in this scenario, given the crowd, given the moment? What do you think? No, I don't think so. The I think that the uh, I think part of the thing that you can say is um, 
Yeah, NFL offenses are supposed to, you know, be able to uh, do something in the passing game without the benefit of a run game. But we shouldn't gloss over the fact, too, that if if a Browns team under Kevin Stefanski, at least in this current iteration, if they aren't running the ball well, that affects a team more than most teams in the NFL, um, you know, because of the the nature of the offense. So I, I do think that it hurts the Browns more, not just from a Baker perspective. I think it hurts the Browns more when they cannot run the ball than it does uh, many other teams in the NFL. Just, that's, a good, just, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, to me, I mean, you, you've watched – I didn't get a chance to, to watch a breakdown this week. I was traveling for work. Um, you know, to me, it looked pretty early on like what we've seen, you know, aside from the other struggles which continue, um, it looked like Baker was pretty amped up um, for last week's game, wanted to do a lot, uh, tried to do more than he probably should have. I think that that speaks to that first interception um, where it was, you know, I don't, I don't really care if, um, if our guy got held on that, uh, it was a terrible decision either way. So um, I think that we saw when he gets super amped up, he tries to throw the ball too hard, affects his accuracy. Again, this is, you know, these aren't excuses because he was still suffering from all the other <laughs> things that he's been suffering from most of the year. Um, but I think that extra element last week that causes for turnovers, um, I think that he will have mellowed down a little bit coming, you know, that was, he came off COVID with no practice, that type of thing. I think it all kind of, and they needed the game. I think it all kind of played into him pushing too hard. Um, and I think that you could really kind of see that in his throws. So if he just, if that part, if that element just goes away, you know, we could see two things. I think we'll we'll probably know pretty early on, at least in the first half, what we're seeing there. Like if Baker is going to come out here because they need this game, which is obviously the case, uh, if we see him sailing balls and and throwing that ball as hard as he can and and being inaccurate, then he's still putting too much on himself um, and certainly way too much to overcome the rest of what he's doing wrong. Uh, but if that element is taken out of the game, I think he's got plenty enough to win this game in Pittsburgh. So uh, that's what I want to really see from him. I would like to see the running game uh, come with an attitude, specifically at the line. I want to see them, you know, really trying to assert their dominance. Uh, and then I just want to see Baker not trying to do too much early on. And I think I'll start to be quite worried if that's how he comes into this game. I don't think it's too much to ask. But I do think that that is exactly the factor I'm going to be looking at is whether he comes in thinking he's got to throw for 500 yards and and make everything happen or not. And I think that 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 attitude when Baker does have it um, is worn on his sleeve. It's not that hard to, to see. Would agree. A lot of things there, I think, are, are factual, especially the amped up stuff. But you know, as I've said, are you ever going to not be amped up, my friend? Like I know you said the <laughs> same thing, but like. Can you figure that part of your mental stuff out? Because if you can't, then you're always going to be that dude. And that's a big part of it for him. Um, I'll kind of, we'll co- close with the defense here, John. They're, they're uh, getting Greg Newsom back, which is, which is great. 
because Pittsburgh's offense is so strange. It's pretty much run inside zone, a little power, a little RPO here and there, and then, hey, we're going to throw a fade ball up the sideline. I uh, hate their offense so much because it challenges your corner. So nice to see that Newsom's trending in the direction of coming back. Like Kevin Stefanski said today, clear concussion protocol should be off the COVID list shortly. I am worried about JOK, non-COVID-related illness right now. It was the same thing that was said about Clowney last week, and then he ends up testing positive later in the week. I, I'm, I have some concerns about being consistent against uh, Pittsburgh's in, in approach with Najee inside inside the uh inside the tackle box the way they run the football without JOK he just makes such a difference how do you feel defensively about this one should they keep him in check for 15 or so again do you think that's the point total or do you see some annoying undisciplined plays where i, I just i just i hate i hate how pittsburgh plays man and it's like these drives <laughs> where they'll have a couple a couple flags thrown and they'll like get yeah. they'll get 40 yards and penalties on a drive and I don't know. That part of it worries me. The, the the way they approach offense and the way the Browns cover, I don't think it should be a giant issue, but uh, I'm curious your opinion on the defense heading into this one because they've continued to put up good performances. Yeah, the, you know, at this point, I'm pretty confident in this defense uh, in terms of doing enough to win a game if you had a confident offense. Uh, that seems to be their wheelhouse. I don't see a lot of dominant performances. Uh, from the defense, and there's definitely still times where, um, you know, a, a very good performance is overshadowed by a couple of key plays um, that they give up that, you know, can make the difference in the game. But, you know, I think that's ultimately still this thing that's getting the spotlight shown on them because we can't score the, the freaking points necessary to win an NFL game. Yeah. So, you know, I I feel very confident that, this team can keep them under 20 points and do enough that a competent, and I'm talking about competency, you know, I mean, you look at what the Bengals did to the, um, you know, to the Steelers, they just, competence is talking about 24 to 27 points, you know, something like that. 24 points should be enough to win this game. So for me, everything Every single thing that I'm worried about in this game still remains on the offensive side of the football. I think the defensive side does plenty enough to to say they're pulling their weight. Yeah, I would be really disappointed if the defense didn't show up in this one because you, at this point in the season you start to expect things based on trends and they have been trending really well. And if they don't show up, that would just be a blindside scenario. We're giving up 24 or more points to the Steelers. You're like, well your season deserves to be over at that point kind of thing. So right. you, you really have to have them show up in this game and play respectable football, and I, I really think they will. I think they'll have uh, a stage that's really big, and I think they'll be ready for that stage, and hopefully they can they can go out and make enough plays to win the football game. I think we've covered it all. I think we've covered every element we need to cover in this one, especially uh, the end of the Roethlisberger era and a couple other little pieces as well, John. Good podcast. Appreciate you, buddy, as usual. And have a have a happy new year, man. You too. You too. Uh, we'll catch you next week, though. Yeah, we'll be here. Hopefully the uh, pod next week we get with Friday with John is, is one of the really 
more meaningful episodes of the whole season because that means that the Browns are playing for the division that ensuing Sunday. So thanks to John for coming on today. Thanks to you guys for listening. We did the OBR's Roundtable Thursday effort. Check that out. That is available on the Twitch replay. Also check out, uh, or well, not check out, but be aware that Sunday, if these games at 1 o'clock start to get close, start trending in Cleveland's direction, we will go live on Twitch and have a little live effort there talking about breaking down uh, what the Browns uh, needed and how it went and what it means for their Monday night game in the ensuing Week 18 home game against Cincinnati. So keep your eyes out for that. Fingers crossed things break the Browns' way on Sunday. We will catch you then. I have a preview of the Pittsburgh Steelers with the guest, Nick Fairball, tomorrow. So check that out over the weekend if you want to hear a little bit more about where Pittsburgh is here as the end of the end of the whole uh, season and Ben's run wears on. I'm going to have those conversations, so that'll be up Saturday. And then we'll get with Brad Ward for Monday as well. So check all that stuff out. Have a great, great Friday and New Year's Eve. Have a safe New Year's Eve and uh, take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Make good decisions. I know you will, folks. Fish, appreciate you guys listening to this pod. Supporting. I, I tweeted out earlier 268 episodes with this one now for for the entire year, which is bananas to think I've done this thing for. 250 nights of the year having started going every single night in april uh, upwards of 680,000 downloads on the year which is bananas to think about the support that you guys provide this podcast thanks a ton appreciate you guys have a great night uh well it's not night for you have a great friday like i said earlier and go browns